Welcome to No Password Required, a monthly conversation that gives you an up-close and personal look at the world of cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to No Password Required, a podcast dedicated to exploring the minds and personalities that make up the field of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Ernie Ferraresso, and with me as always is Jack Clabby. We also have Pablo Torres coming up to have some fun with his segment, Positively Cyber. But first, we need to discuss who we have on the show. On the podcast today, we're going to chat with Shane Young, a senior security consultant at Rapid7. Over the past decade, Shane has found himself in the middle of some great pen testing adventures. His real-life acting and cyber skills would have been a great addition to the Ocean's Eleven team. And like the Casino Heist movies, his stories will keep you hooked till the very end. Speaking of someone that's always on the right side of the law, Jack, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. This is um, this is an annual privacy policy update time, and so we're doing a lot of updating privacy policy. So to, to everyone sort of listening, you know, first quarter of the year, drag out your privacy policy, take a look, make sure it's still accurate. That's that's our that's our plug for for companies this week, Ernie. Between that and uh, trading. You know, my uh, playlists with Pablo for Yacht Rock music, I have a lot on my plate. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that is, I think the second part is perhaps the most important, is we have to keep that dream alive. You know, if, if we don't share it with the younger generation, the Yacht Rock sails off into history. Well, this, look, there's a lot going on. I mean, I, I'll say, I want to say one thing, though, just because, you know, we've been talking for the past several weeks about what happened uh, in the Capitol. And, and yes. you know, I, I don't want to touch politics here, right? But I do want to say one thing that when, when it started happening and the images of, of, of this, what was going on inside, you know, our, uh, there was some exchange of texts and emails among the community you know, that we're all a part of. And I got a great text that simply said uh, it was Windows plus L, right? Which is the lock your keyboard, right? And so that's lock your keyboard, folks. So it, no matter what happens, Right. If it's a if it's a the fire alarm goes off, there's something happening. Windows L, lock yourself up, uh, and just you know it's a small thing you can do if you can't secure your papers. Just a just an open L. We have we have signs in our office uh, which show that you know, Sean Bean's character uh, from from the uh, uh, Game of Thrones, where that say things like one does not simply walk away from one's computer without pressing Control L. Well, I guess that's a Lord of the Rings reference. That's what it, it's a Lord of the Rings. One does not simply walk into Mordor. So it's a open apple up. You know, Jack, that's actually the, probably some of the best advice I've ever heard. Is and and for the reason to the, is you got to lock it. Just walk it's away. A, just lock it. Just lock it. Lock give it, before give you it walk a chance. Away. Give it a chance to that's work. That's right. That's you know, right. All the security on uh, there. Yeah. Well, we've been concerned too. So, uh, middle of December, right? You, everyone probably saw the news. You know, our listeners probably saw the news about what happened with GoDaddy. But middle of December, this has been occupying our time. You know, uh, GoDaddy puts out a pretty aggressive anti-phishing campaign where they, you know, essentially send some subset of their employees an email from the GoDaddy domain, right? So an in-domain email that you know is part of a phishing campaign, but the employees don't know that when they get this. And the email says, happy holiday, okay, so there's no S on it, happy holiday, GoDaddy. And it says, though we cannot celebrate together during our annual holiday party, we want to show our appreciation, share a $650 one-time holiday bonus. 
All right. And then it says, if you want to get your money, you have to click here. And then when you click there, you had to input some information about you. And I think, you know, not the greatest thing. It was not received well by the community. One, it had a, I think it had a click-through rate of about 10%, which is pretty darn high uh, for, for a company like this. You know, but it's preying on, uh, you know, folks, I, I get why they did it, right? It's, it's, yeah. this is effective. It's an effective thing. It, it comes from within domain, you know, uh, but things have not been great for lots and lots of Americans for the past several months. And I think it was the, an amount of money that seemed rational and reasonable. Uh, and you know, people were not excited about it. So you know, it had an effect of making everyone not like GoDaddy. Uh, and it, you know, it also happens to be a domain name company and a hosting company, right? So not a company whose audience is going to be well received, you know, if if bad news gets out. But I don't know. What was there, what do you think the reaction was already from the? You know, what did you pick up on this? On the reaction? Yeah. So I, you know, I've been thinking about it from a couple of things because from the the, the evaluation side. You know, the, that vector, that's, that's something that you would expect, right? You know, a bad actor is going to create something that looks, smells, and feels, you know, as legit as possible. So that, from that aspect of it, it's, it's, it's spot on. But from the, the, if you look at it from the timing, from the, the messaging, uh, you're really putting people into, uh, yeah, exactly. It's being rather it's insensitive is the, is the way you could... You could probably uh, achieve achieve your your phishing test awareness and such using a different uh, a different message. You know, um, yeah, that's it. And and I think um, you know, look, the ethics of the thing. And we'll you know, we have on the show today, you know, essentially an expert in in pen testing and also physical penetration, and, and he'll tell us some stories. But you know, I do think that every phishing um, testing email is a lie, right? So let's just be yeah. okay with that, right? It is, it is a lie, but it's the kind of lie that is okay. Um, it's, it's typically allowed under, uh, from a legal perspective, by the policies and procedures and the customs and practice of the company, right? That there's going to be testing and auditing that's done. And it's not always going to be authentic. Um, but because you can do something, right, doesn't mean you should do something. Doesn't mean you should. That's right. Right, and this is not something where a company like this that, you know, you can go on GoDaddy's website and they have tips and tricks for avoiding phishing, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> because they're, they're, they're compete, compete, you know, comparing it to their own customers. Uh, but I think, you know, lawyers, we, we approach this, you know, as a lawyer at Carlson Fields, or I approach these things. When we get involved in tests like this or in audits, we have legal rules of ethics that mean that I cannot lie, nor can I direct anyone else to lie. Right, so I can I can hire a pen testing company on behalf of a client, but I I can't direct them in a specific way to to send a specific email or not, even though I know they're going to be doing it. Uh, you know, there are codes of ethics that are out there for pen testers, uh, but those codes of ethics typically are make sure that what you do in the system is known to the owner of the system. Make sure yeah. you have permission for what to do. Don't exploit um, knowledge that you know, um, would put them in a vulnerable position or, or, or is solely designed to embarrass or harass. But for them to do their jobs, they've got to be able to do things a little more creatively. I think that the, I thought some of the best commentary after the GoDaddy incident uh, was, was sort of put out in the public in mid-December was, you know, this was effective. And so there were folks who were really admiring it because it was exactly, right, it was exactly what um, would capture people's attention. And it did. But the goal here is not to uh, 
get a high incidences of success. The goal is to create a culture of compliance and a culture of security. And that's one where you know, the average user in the system trusts the IT staff and the information security staff and understands that yeah. they're not out to ha- harass, embarrass. You know, you know, one angry employee you know, is probably worth 100 well-trained employees on, on information security. And so when you're doing these pen tests, my sort of advice from a sort of corporate governance standpoint is do an effective one, but don't do one that would piss off someone when they find out that it's real. That's it. Yeah, Just, and I, that's it. Yeah, and I, I think the you know the era that this is happening in, you know, if people are are, are worried about, you know, financially, the you know, COVID lockdown, et cetera, uh, and then somebody sees, hey, yeah, I'm gonna get six hundred and fifty dollars. You know that may be that may be something that they really needed at the time, and then only to find out they're getting a double whammy. It's not true, and then they oh by the way you got to do some. That's right. That's right. You probably didn't see a lot of you know. I read a lot about this, but I didn't see as many Uncle Scrooge metaphors as I expected before the holidays. But but I yeah. think something like that could. Yeah, be, this is a pretty good exactly. Man. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a legal there's a legal concept of reliance, right? Where when one person makes a promise and the other person uh, acts in response to that promise, it makes it you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes that first person is not allowed to withdraw that, right? So if I tell my kids, um, you know, that I'm going to give them ten dollars if they mow the lawn, and then they mow the lawn and I don't deliver the ten dollars, I sometimes owe them the ten dollars, right? Yeah, it would be hard to say that I was just testing them. So I, you know, I don't know what's going on at GoDaddy, but you know, maybe there's something put in place to make things right over there. Yeah, okay. I would like to think so. Um, and then the, you know, and I the other part that you wonder is, do they have, um, do they have some sort of process in the company that this this type of email is normal, and this may not have <laughs> yeah. you know, meaning that when yeah, yeah, oh hey, listen, we're th- this month's giveaway is X. And so you click on it and you fill out your, you know, they have a raffle or something. Um, so yeah, any, well, that's right. Any well, number of well I'll, I'll say one, one yeah. other thing. We've worked with companies that um, will do training, do cybersecurity training. And, you know, they'll, they'll talk about, you know, we're having a hard time. You know, we, we did some forced training. We're having a hard time getting people to sign up for the classes. And we talk about it a little bit. And one of the companies that we worked with had told us that um, one of the employees finally said, well, you've trained us to be so careful in what we sign up for. And the program that you're requiring us to sign up for requires us to access a new website and put in the username and password from our system, which I thought was great, right? That, yeah. Th- yeah. The reason your, your information security yep. training isn't working is because you told them not to do exactly the thing you're now asking them to do to sign up for the training. The, the reason why your information security training isn't working is because your information security training is working. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if you're, you know, if you're a company out there and you're requiring your employees to go to some third-party website and use internal credentials, like fix that. That shouldn't be how it should operate. Have them create a new set of username and passwords or just have the darn training be done on your internal systems or sign them up via email or something. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Let's get creative. Let's get creative. And with that, uh, that said, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we return, uh, Shane's going to take us through a couple of his more adventurous pen testing jobs. So stick around. we got a great show coming up. Have an idea for a guest or topic? Send an email to info at nopasswordpodcast.com. Okay, welcome back. Our guest uh, today is Shane Young, a senior security consultant at Rapid7, a Boston-based computer ne- and network security firm 
welcome to uh, No Password Re- Required. Uh, so, Shane, like we were talking, um, it's been a while. Haven't seen you uh, since uh, since the CTF days at Raymond James you know, before COVID and all. So what what have you been up to? Uh, not much. Just been uh, hanging out and hacking stuff and, uh, yeah, just living the dream out here in Arkansas. That's great. You know, uh, I can remember when we first met, just hearing the, the your tales of woe and misadventure that kind of, you know, got you, uh, that you've been up to and what you've been doing. Um, but uh, so you've been at this for, for a while now, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been um, working kind of in the security area since I was, uh, since I was young. Yeah, so, yeah. What do you mean young? Like, you know, six years old, you were, uh, you know, breaking into stuff or was it a little later than that? <laughs> no, I was uh, probably about 13. Uh, sadly, we only had dial-up, but um, yeah, my ventures kind of started there. Uh, my grandpa gave me a hand-me-down laptop, and uh, it was the slowest laptop in existence, sadly, but <laughs> I did everything I could to learn from it. Um, got Linux installed on it and kind of just took off from there. Shane, can I ask you, when you got started with computers, you know, did you think security right away or did you come at it from a programming standpoint? How did you turn sort of this interest in computers into an interest in a security field? When my interest in computers all started, uh, sadly, like I ran into issues all the time. So like I had iPod, but I wanted to put my own music on it. But sadly, they wouldn't allow certain aspects of that. I wanted to download the apps I wanted. So that kind of led me into jailbreaking my iPod, which kind of led me into hacking additional things and and really just finding around uh, solutions around problems that I was facing is kind of what led me to security in general. Yeah, that's it. So it's it was try to take something that was existing and get it to do what you wanted it to do, but that let you how to understand and exploit vulnerabilities. So that's interesting because I think a lot of folks come at it from the other the other side they try to look at it as a a computer secure a computer science computer security design type of uh, thing that we're going to start from from this side but you're looking at it from the other side of hey that's neat i wonder what else it can do yeah exactly yeah i've always been a tinker so that kind of is what led me along the the path i'm on so you're a, you're a high schooler you're into computers you know where do you go next what's what's the next step sort of in your story shane in high school, my brother and I, we, we were sort of a little bit of troublemakers. You know, we wanted to, to go uh, leave high school, you know, on Fridays and stuff. And so um, we kind of gave our high school a little bit of a free pen test, uh, so to speak. <laughs> um, <Nice>. I, gave, <laughs> I gave my brother a laptop and he walked in and, it, you know, I was just getting uh, started in security. So I didn't really know what I was doing, but I downloaded this old program called Kane Enable. Some people might be... Uh, familiar with that, but it was like a Windows XP suite of tools that you can basically click a button and it would sniff passwords and whatnot. So I put this on a laptop, hit, you know, sniff passwords, gave it to my brother and he walked to the school and they started picking up all the grading system passwords because they were unencrypted. And so from there, you know, we found out the grading system, you could log in externally and you know, one thing led to another, and we had full control of the school's grading system. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and, and and so then, how did so you that you just you did that, and then you went on to the next thing, and because that's crazy. That's that's I mean, that is like something that you see in a TV show. That's that that people do that. 
Yeah, it's it's a little crazy. Um, I ended up graduating. You know, we really didn't do a whole lot of bad stuff with it. We had control. You know, we we would tweak stuff here and there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my brother is the one who actually ended up getting caught, and it was long after I got or graduated. And uh, um, they just sat him down. They're like, "Hey, tell us how you did it." And no, we won't press charges. And, and <laughs> they ended up fixing everything, which is good. So it turned out to be a good thing. Um, but I went on to college and, um, you know, from there, I just got a general degree in IT, but I, um, really was intrigued with hosting things. Um, one cool thing about the community college I was at is they gave us like a server with a public IP and they're like, do whatever you want. <laughs> and so, uh, Minecraft just came out, which was awesome. And so we would just host these Minecraft servers so that taught me about Java and programming and Linux and, you know, it's just a lot of tinkering and playing around with stuff that helped me grow my knowledge, basically. Are you still, Shane, do you still uh, play around in the Minecraft world? <laughs> yeah. A little bit? Okay. Um, yeah, I have an 11-year-old sister, and she's uh, pretty obsessed with this. So it it's, seems to just keep on growing, which is cool. We've been, in my house, we explore it uh, pretty regularly. Uh with the split screen with a couple of, with a couple of kids in the house. And uh, we've been playing Minecraft Dungeons lately, which is not quite in the spirit of, of the open world, but still a lot of fun to play on the Nintendo Switch. I haven't, I'm <laughs> looking forward to a mod community developing around that one because it is a pretty fun universe to play in. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, all right, so you, you begin playing around. You're in college. You're, you're going to plan around with the hosts. You're playing around the Minecraft stuff. Where do you go from there? What's the next step? My family, we were good friends with uh, somebody that owned like a uh, telecommunications company. And so after I graduated, they just kind of brought me on board to help them with like their general IT stuff. And I worked with this guy who basically taught me everything he knew. It was really cool. He taught me like how to code in Excel. And so I learned VB script and all this old like scripting language. And then I converted their entire infrastructure to, to Linux. <laughs> um, as you could tell, I'm a Linux fan and, and just really supported them. So I learned a ton off of them. And when I outgrew that role, I eventually applied at a blue team security job at a financial uh, insurance institution. And they kind of took a chance on me, which was awesome. I definitely applied for a job that was a little bit out of my range, but I ended up getting it in... You know, I just kept on learning from there. I learned a ton at that job. I uh, I kind of ran the IDS and IPS um, devices. I wrote rules. I I developed some programs that would tell us when certificates expired in C and, and just kind of grew from there. And, and that role led me to another role that was similar. And then finally, I landed at Rapid7. I've been there ever since. And how long ago, uh, how long have you been at Rapid7? Um, I am in my fourth year, so... Yeah, chugging along to hopefully get to five, five yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, so talk a little, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, a day in the life of Shane Young at, you know, Rapid7? Because I remember you telling stories of, yeah, I, I you know, I, I dress up as the copier guy to walk in, <laughs> you know, thing, things like that. Um, and what's a day? What's it like? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm a senior um, penetration tester, basically. So you know, I work with a wide variety of clients doing a wide variety of tests. Um, we do everything from external, internal, physical, electronic, social engineering, web apps, mobile apps. Um, I'm actually 
I'm heavily focused in IoT lately, which is really fun. But um, the, the funnest engagements, like you said, are the physical ones where we break into buildings. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I told you a few stories, Ernie, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of like uh, what we do. We just uh, do a lot of consulting for a lot of different clients. Shit, have you ever been found, like made or found out? You know, when you're there in a physical pen test and somebody discovers you're not supposed to be there, what is that like? Yeah, so um, sadly, it doesn't happen as much as you think, but there is one that <laughs> comes to mind when you say that. So on one physical engagement um, I was working for, they were actually um, like military contractors, but in the private sector. So those guys were ex-military. They're, you know, trained to call you out if you're out of place. And and so on this engagement, you know, I was supposed to break into this building and see what I could get. And they told me that, hey, everybody's carrying, everybody's got guns. And <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so tread carefully and like, don't run if you're caught. So I was like, okay, okay. And so, you know, I talked to a few friends on the phone that I work with and they were, you know, talking me up and, um, so I started out at Case the Place. There's cameras in the parking lot. There's cameras outside the building. Um, there was a Starbucks across the street, which is cool. So the first day I sat in that Starbucks, waited for people to come in. A lot of times we try to get people's badges or kind of what they look like so we can copy them and make our own. Um, sadly, I didn't get anybody um, there. But while I was at the Starbucks um, on social media, I found a few badges and a lot of pictures of the interior of the building. Um, there was an artist who did like a sculpture uh, sculpture in the center and they took pictures and put it on their website. So from those pictures, I was able to kind of figure out the layout wow. of the land. And uh, after that, the next day I was like, all right, I got to get in. I just got to do it. And <laughs> a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times it's all in your head. Like if you just go in and, and get the job done, a lot of times people don't, don't ever like talk to you and stuff. But so I dressed up, I made a badge um, I'm all ready to go. I've, I've sat in the parking lot, I'm watching people walk in and I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I go to walk in and I head in through the front doors. Everything's great. I see the stairs. I know the I, uh, what I thought was the IT department was upstairs. So I was like, oh, I'll head up there. Start walking up the stairs and immediately the front desk lady is like, hey, what are you doing? Who are you? I'm like, <laughs> Oh, me? <laughs> this has never happened in my entire career. And I'm like, oh, what? She's like, get over here. And so I'm like, okay. And, you know, I didn't run or <laughs> anything like that. But typically I wait, you know, try to get out of there if all possible. But so I headed on down. She's like, I know you don't belong here. She's like, who are you? What's your name? Who are you here to see? And, you know, I had uh, who I was here to see down. I had all that stuff. But you know, she like looked me up in the system and I wasn't supposed to be there. So I was like, hey, you know, this is a test. You did a great job. You know, let me let me keep testing and, and kind of see what I can get. So she let me go. And after that, I headed back upstairs and there was a locked door that required a badge to get in. And a lot of times we'll try to like clone a badge. I have a badge cloner that's pretty big, runs off batteries. I'll put it in my backpack. And I wasn't successful in grabbing any badges. So what I did, I was waited for somebody to exit, and I kind of stood by the restrooms, pretend to be on my phone. And as I walked out, I just headed towards the door, grabbed the door before it closed, and walked right in. Take you back so, in. Nice. <laughs> exactly. And so after I was in, I, I searched for an empty desk, sat down, got my laptop out, 
and you know just start plugging away and immediately these two ladies come up, it's like oh hi who are you and i'm like uh, I'm, the, I'm the new guy from IT, you know, I'm here to, you know, I'm starting to work. I work for so-and-so. And they're like, oh, well, uh, where are you from? And, and they just started quizzing me. And um, they eventually left me alone. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm all done. You know, I, I totally, uh, you know, got past these uh, two ladies. And you know, 10 minutes later, um, the head of IT walk, of security walks up and is like, hey, come with me and they reported me. So, you know, all in all, that is what you're supposed to do. And they did really good um, on that engagement. So yeah, that's my story of getting caught. That's awesome. I mean, even with the time that you're in on an engagement like that, I mean, can you do some damage in just 10 minutes, you know, being inside or does it take you some time to get up and running? Oh, definitely. So usually I carry like a Dropbox and where I can just plug into the network it automatically deploys a wireless network I can connect to from outside and um, automatically tunnels back to me if it can get internet access. So as long as I can get in and find a network jack or if they don't have like uh, network access control enabled, usually you can do some damage right then and there. Um, So yeah. Have you ever been, um, you know, surprised by some things that you found when you do gain access, like some loot that maybe you didn't, anticipate coming across? (laughs) Yeah. So um, this was another physical assessment um, that I was on that it was for a uh, check cashing institution. And we were supposed to target um, their retail locations and their main office buildings. And so um, first we went into the office buildings and uh, the main, there was two different ones, the main headquarters, we, you know, we got some badges and we created badges and, you know, we started blending in and we went to the second building, um, which was um, not a shared facility. So the first one was shared. So it's a little easier to go in and out because there's other places of work. So you kind of can blend in easier. This one uh, though, this was just theirs. And so we kind of dressed the role. We addressed like auditors and it was me and a, a couple other guys. And so we headed in and immediately this lady confronts us and we said, you know, we're here to you know, audit your facilities. And, and she kind of gave us a little tour around the building, which was really helpful. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> we set up shop and we got a bunch of things. We, we had a second floor and there's a server room. Sadly, it was mostly empty because they were uh, migrating all their servers to the cloud. And then eventually we were leaving the facility. It's the end of the day. And we're heading out and this guy holds the door. And we're like, hey, where did you get that nice little polo with like the logo of the company? Because we knew that we had to do the retail location still. <laughs> so we're like, you know, that would be really helpful to have. And he's like, oh, there's a basement. There's like stacks of them in the basement. And we're like, me and the other guy look at each other. And we're like, basement? Oh, where's that at? And he's like, oh, it's just down this hall, down the, that hall. We ended up searching for this basement. And it took us a little bit because um, it was hard to find. It was behind this, um, you know, very blank metal door. And we head down there and, uh, you know, we find it. And there's generators and pipes and, you know, it's not looking like there's anything good down here. And we start going through all the rooms and there was one room that had boxes and we looked through there and there was just like everybody who's ever applied at this organization's uh, resume, which had their social security numbers, their bank account for direct deposit. 
And <laughs> we're like, oh man, this is crazy. <laughs> and they're like, we got to find the t-shirts. <laughs> and so we find a room that's like, it says secure room on it. And we're like, okay. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, shimming or lock picking doors, but shimming is kind of like you take this plastic sheet and if the door isn't set up correctly when it's locked, you can slide it around the door and push the the little um, flappy thing yeah. uh, closed yeah. and yeah. the door will just open. So this door wasn't set up properly. So I shimmed right in <laughs> and this door uh, behind it was the Holy Grail. It had all their shirts, polos, jackets, everything with their company logo. And we're going through, we, we stuffed their backpacks cause you know, the, the client was obviously okay with it and we needed them for the retail locations. But um, the best part was we turned around and it said, uh, ship to Iron Mountain. And as you know, Iron Mountain is like the <laughs> securest shredding location yeah. ever. <laughs> we're like, oh, what's going to Iron Mountain? <laughs> and so <laughs> we walked over there and opened it up and it looked like envelopes full of cash. I was like, is this cash? No way. Because why would they send it to Iron Mountain? And we opened it up and it was all checks. Everybody who's ever cashed a check at these locations, it all went to there to ship off to Iron Mountain and we got our hands on that. So that was probably oh the, the best loot I've ever caught. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. What do you, you know, what do you, what do you tell somebody now who's in, you know, who's in high school or college who, you know, has the itch for this kind of work, um, you know, but probably is flirting with using it for good or, 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 or using it for other reasons, you know, do you have any advice for them about, you know, looking back on your career? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you just do what you're passionate about. It's really important to tinker and play with stuff. You know, if you want to learn about hosting or a certain subject, just download it and start messing with it and try to host your own stuff. And you know, that's really how I've learned uh, mostly everything. And then, uh, yeah, just don't get, don't be afraid to get involved, I guess, in doing it. A lot of people are afraid to get started because they think they're going to fail or it seems too complicated, but Everybody starts somewhere, and you just continually build on that knowledge. On that uh, gaining access to the uh, the Iron Mountain, what did the client say when you sat down with the debrief? Were they uh, like, <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Thank you very much, Mr. Young. Or, or did they freak out yeah. and start firing people on the spot? No, no. So we try to avoid that at all costs because, <laughs> you know, if, if they blame it on the people, it's really – it's kind of wrong because – it's their policies and controls and training that, that have failed and not the people. And so um, when we sat down with this point of contact, her, they were just like, they put their head down and they were just like, oh, we cannot believe you got this far. They're like, great job, guys. This is awesome. I can take all this information and, and help um, get the company to invest in training and all that. And uh, <laughs> regarding the t-shirts, it's like, you could just keep them. Spoils the war. <laughs> We're like, awesome. So I still have those polos. <laughs> Some clients are really cool like that, where they, they want you to find stuff so they can they can get better. And other clients, you know, they're just checking boxes. And the checking boxes clients are the worst ones to work for, sadly. Yeah, that seems like the, yeah, you want the ones that are engaged. Um, and I think, sadly, a lot of times people view in the penetration teams as the, uh, folks coming in as, as the enemy, you know, that they're out to get you such. And really it's, no, we're here to try to make things better. The benefit of having that pen test is to find out you know, where, where are your vulnerabilities? 
it's all about improving. And, and that's what we try to teach our clients all the time is like, you know, we're on your side. We want to give you as much benefit as possible. I know it seems like we're going against you by breaking into everything, but you know, this is how you learn where you're vulnerable at and how you can improve. So, yeah. 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 And I, in other words, is there a, uh, is there a, like a, the most challenging one? Yeah, there, there's been a lot of challenging engagements. Um, but there was one that uh, it was an internal pen test. And so the goal was to get their credit cards uh, information, which happened to be on an air gap network. So that one was very challenging. Um, I was able to actually get in and basically started off as a regular internal pen test. Um, the goal obviously was to get their credit card database with all their credit cards. And, and so I started off um, a lot of times it's it's not too difficult to escalate the domain admin um, and so where you're fully an admin on the network. So this one was a little bit more challenging. They, they had their ducks in a row, but eventually I was able to escalate up. And once I got those privileges, then I turned my attention to trying to get the loot. And so um, they told me that, you know, the credit card uh, servers and database were properly segmented, they're air gapped and all that business. Um, and so once I got domain admin, I took those credentials and I logged into their um, VMware environment, which is like their, you know, complete virtualized infrastructure and those servers were running on it. So I was like, okay, awesome. I will, uh, I'll grab the credentials I have and attempt to log in. And so I did and boom, instantly prompted with a uh, second factor authentication. I was like, oh man, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get around this. And so I started thinking outside the box a little bit. So since I couldn't reach them uh, through the network, um, I did identify that they had a backup server. And this backup server through its agent was able to talk to the servers that had the credit card information on them through an agent. So I got on the backup server and I made a snapshot image of the credit card database server, downloaded that image, deployed it on my laptop. The credit card database was a SQL database, Microsoft SQL but it happened to be encrypted. And so then I had to read all their documentation to figure out where they put their encryption keys, found them, used my passwords from being domain admin to access their shared password resource, which had the uh, key and the password to unlock the key, decrypted the database. But when I finally decrypted it and deployed it on my laptop, all the credit cards were hashed, which is good. So what happens is like, let's say you type your credit card in on a website, they hash it and they compare that hash with the hashes they have. So they actually don't have your credit card number, but they have the hash of it, which um, basically is called tokenization for credit cards. So they did all that properly. So I never got any credit card information, but I had their entire database of users. So yeah, that one was very difficult but very fun and rewarding. Yeah, difficult to say the least, man. But I mean, that goes to show you that you, every everything that you came up, they were doing all the right things. And even at the end, you walked out with a database, but wasn't much you could do with it. Exactly. And that's kind of where uh, persistence pays off for sure. That That's good too, because I mean, a, a lot of entities that have had uh, breach events, right, who are assessing the damage done, who do adopt tokenization? That's a, it's good for them to hear that it actually, in your case, it worked, and they weren't able you weren't able to get access to raw numbers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, yeah. uh, th thank you so much, Shane. So you know, after a short break here, folks, we're going to return with Ernie's Lifestyle Polygraph. Stay with us, folks. You are listening to the No Password Required Podcast. We cover cybersecurity and a lot of other stuff. Welcome back. Today, we've already learned that Shane is willing to walk through any door, but is he willing to answer any question? Let's find out. Are you ready for the Lifestyle Polygraph? All right. So this is a series of questions. Uh, we got five of them. Uh, they're going to probe the depths of your personality. So uh, this, this first one, I'm going to call this a softball. What is more important to a pen tester? Knowledge, creativity, or superior equipment? Well, I would have to say it's got to be a mix between knowledge and creativity because um, I've definitely grown up having very inferior equipment, but able to use it to my advantage. <laughs> but yeah, um, I would say for hacking, definitely creativity first and then knowledge after because you can always um, get more knowledge, but creativity is hard to, hard to find. All right, the next one. Here we go. This is a little bit more difficult. Uh, there, uh, there's going to be some technical requirements to answer this question. Which type of guitar makes a more satisfying sound? Acoustic or electric? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, I have to answer honestly that acoustic. Um, really? There's nothing better than an acoustic guitar, a little bit of whiskey, sitting around a fire in the mountains. You know, that, that, you know I, I guess I would expect that. Uh, for those that don't know, Shane, tell us a little bit about uh, where you live. Yeah, so uh, I live pretty remote in Arkansas, in the Ozarks. Um, it's not, I wouldn't say mountainy here, but definitely it's uh, foresty and hilly. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy it. You don't live next to Jason Bateman, do you? I don't think so. <laughs> if Jason Bateman's listening, you know, the property next door is for sale. So we can fix that, maybe. That's right. <laughs> I got to think, too, that you probably see, you know, back to this superior equipment, you know, question. You, you probably see, you know, hikers or fishermen come through, you know, straight from the city with the, you know, top of the line expensive stuff. And they don't know where the trail is or where the fish are, you know. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> there is one uh, person I've met on the lake out here, and uh, he had just a little old John boat, but he looked like he lived in the mountains his whole life, and uh, he he was reeling in some fish left and right, no problem. All right, on to question three. Here we go. If you could go on any television show or podcast, any television show, podcast, which one would you go on? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, for a television show, I would definitely say the Lego Builders. Uh, really? Television show. It's nice. pretty awesome. Love Legos. <laughs> and uh, for a podcast, I got to say, guys, I, I do like Joe Rogan. Um, but, yeah, it'd be pretty neat. Nice. It's a good long-form interview. You're like a, a good, you know, got to get into it. Uh, in a <laughs> podcast style. I've been listening to solely horror podcasts since Halloween. I've fallen into a trap and I've got to get out of it. Uh, I'm just on my ride in, ride out of work. And so it puts me in the wrong mood to get to work doing cybersecurity. 
<laughs> so I got I got to break out of it. So maybe I'll listen to a little Joe Rogan on the way home today. There you go. <laughs> All right, number four. What is more annoying? The lack of hacker-based television content or inaccurate hacker-based television content? Ooh, I would have to say inaccurate television content. Um, sole example, NCIS, where they're both hacking on a keyboard at the same time. That's definitely an icon for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the montage. Isn't that how it works, Shane? I thought that was how it works. Yeah. yeah. You just the more, hack the it more furious you hack, the better you are, for sure. <laughs> I think, though, that the life of a pen tester would make for a great serial, like, hour-long drama. Right? Because you could do, it's a new company that you're trying to access every week. You know, new love interests. You know, maybe there's the, the woman at accounting who lets you into the building. Uh, you know, you've got it wrapped up at, at the end. There's a little complication because you look like you're going to get caught, but then you don't. Uh, and then you could have the debrief in the last couple of minutes where you reveal to the company what happens. And then you point out that it was the CFO who was stealing the money all along or something like that. <laughs> That's I the best. I agree. Mr. Robot was awesome, but it kind of got a little weird at the end. If they just stuck to the hacking stuff, man, that'd be an A-plus TV show for sure. I'm season one ride or die on that. And after that, it, yeah, I, I'm one season in. That, that's where I think I would like it to have resolved. <laughs> you have to stop there. <laughs> and number five, you have to build the perfect four-person CTF team. Capture the flag. Who are you recruiting? Who? Well, I'd have to stick to uh, some of my favorite colleagues. Um, one of them is Jonathan Steins that works at Rapid7 with me. Um, another guy, Nick Powers. He's excellent tester and just highly skilled red teamer. And then uh, Jesse Gardner, who's like top of the line IoT tester. They're all uh, stellar testers and people that I look up to every day for sure. Are we all correct to be as worried about internet of things as we should be like like is the is the level of hysteria and concern about hackable devices like is it calibrated correctly or should we be more concerned less concerned what are you seeing out there shane oh i would definitely be more concerned <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's uh it's almost too easy at times um i've had the pleasure of testing really really good devices um and the pleasure of testing really really bad devices um, I've tested smartwatches that you can send a text to that'll send live location data. It was actually a kid's smartwatch, which makes it even scarier. Um, unencrypted data that basically gives you access to their uh, Amazon S3 buckets. Um, just, just a little of everything. It's, uh, it's scary out there for sure. Yeah, I think I was, uh, you know, our nine-year-old got a smartwatch for, for uh, Christmas, and the thing is unbelievable. It's very, very cool, and he's into the tech stuff, so he was having a great time with it. And then the other day, he shows me that it's, you know, it's monitoring his sleep when he's asleep and when he's not. And you're like, what, you know, what is the need for this? Like, just have it do the things that you want it to do. Let's turn off some of this other stuff, and because that device is not secure in any way, in any way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Rapid Seven. We actually published a little bit of research on some smartwatch stuff. If you if you guys want to check it out, but yeah, it's similar. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah where can now, uh, now Shane? Where can they find that? Is that uh, you go to the website? 
Yeah, it's a Rapid7 blog. Um, and I think it's uh, just called like Chinese or Amazon smartwatch uh, research. Yeah, because I think, you know, what, like Jack says, the, you know, we, too many of the things, certainly with the IoT uh, connected device, the default setting is everything's on. You know, it's it, everything's on and everything's open. And until you've, you gotta, you gotta go in. And a lot of times you don't even know that that capability exists. I don't, I'm, that seems to be the trend. You know, they give, nobody sends you an instruction book anymore. They send you the device, you turn it on and figure it out. And, oh, look, there's a secret passageway here in the back. Yeah, some of the worst things is, you know, IoT vendors, they'll be running Windows XP and they charge you $12,000 to upgrade per device and IT doesn't want to touch it. And so it just sits there and it happens to be life-saving equipment as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> they just have, yeah. they, they happen to have it set on the default. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah so all right, uh, on the Legos piece, this is the, the sort of the debate on Legos. Is, you know, when when you're buying Legos as an experienced sort of thinker like this, are you going to buy them in a set and then are you going to build, you know, what it is? Or are you, are you buying them and kind of building your own thing or, or a little bit of both? What's the right way to, what's, do you have a, pref, a preference or, a, or an opinion on the follow the directions or do your own thing? So um, growing up, my brother and I, we always just had a hodgepodge mess of Legos and we would always just do our own thing. But now that I'm a little older, it's kind of cool buying sets. Um, <laughs> my brother just bought, well, it's not necessarily Lego, but connects giant Ferris wheel that's like as tall as you. We've always dreamed of putting that together. And and uh, I've always wanted to get the Lego Death Star. I think that would yes. be cool. oh, classic. <laughs> yes. Classic. Yes. I've like had my hand on it in the store and I'm like, it's really expensive. I don't know. And then, ah, but eventually, you know, I'm going to get it. Like I, that's kind of how my view on it is. I might as well go get it. Eventually I want, you know. See the, when you grow up and you're an adult, you finally have money to spend, but you might as well just live out your childhood dreams. <laughs> okay. right? You see, that's, I get the, that's what I, uh, I can't, I have to be quiet. So my kids don't actually hear this. Yeah. Why do you think they get all the Lego stuff for Christmas? It's not because they get to put it together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, what do you mean the Lego? What do you mean the Lego Boba Fett set? I didn't want that, Dad. Oh no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and they get to grow up in like the best part of Star Wars ever. I mean, I wish I had all this stuff when I was growing <laughs> up. Yeah. yeah, don't exactly. Don't even get me started on that. You're exactly correct, man. You know, I, I the the coolest things that I had is Star Wars. They, I mean, the old timey. Uh, action figures, you know, that the arms only moved, they didn't have any elbows. And, the, and yep. the lightsaber, the lightsaber actually was in the wrist, you know, came out. Uh, uh, and, and then my favorite one was the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi one. He had the plastic uh, cape on. <laughs> I think, oh, I think the Poe Dameron yeah. X-Wing is, is about as cool as you get. We've done some Poe Dameron X-Wings for, uh, uh, in, in Legos. And I, that's like awesome. I thought Rogue One was fantastic. And then the, some of the plots, I, I thought I still, that's a rewatchable for me all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Rogue One is excellent. Now, uh, I know we're going to go a little bit of far afield, but that's okay. Uh, Mandalorian, your thoughts? Oh, A plus. <laughs> it's awesome. We binge watch it and then we watch it again and again. So yeah, we usually watch each episode a couple times. <laughs> it's good stuff. I mean, I hate to I hate to say we have to do uh, um, you know spoiler alert, but uh, I had to say I was with uh, season two started off slow, but uh, K 
came out of the gate, finished up strong. I, I was, uh, I was really impressed with that. Oh man. When they, they brought in so many characters from the animated series, everybody's like, Oh, this is awesome. So like diehard fans, they, Disney's just done a great job with it. I got to say, and visually it's so nice to watch. So Shane, thank you very much for being on the, uh, on the podcast today. It's been great talking to you. Great catching up, uh, you know, hearing about, uh, you know, Legos and campfires and, you know, we didn't get to talk about the chickens, but, uh, you know, something to come back to. So, uh, before you go, is there anything you like to leave us with? Yeah. Uh, first, thank you guys for having me. It was definitely an honor and I had a lot of fun. So uh, thank you. And I just like to say, you know, if anybody's interested in uh, rapid seven research, you can check out our blog. Um, we post a lot of cool stuff and, if you want to learn about hacking, just keep tinkering and help out in open source tools and just keep uh, hacking stuff. That's what we do. All right. <laughs> well, again, thanks, Shane, for being on the, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, guys. There's a place for everyone in the world of cybersecurity, and Pablo Torres plans to prove it. Welcome to Positively Cyber. Okay, welcome back. And now it's time for... Positively Cyber with Pablo Torres. Pablo, your show, sir. Thank you, Ernie. Welcome to Positively Cyber. I'm your host, Pablo Torres. As we continue to build our cybersecurity team, I took a moment to reflect on our first two hires, Star-Lord and John Wick. I noticed that relationships and family are not only essential parts of their lives, they are the largest part of what motivates our cyber warriors. With that in mind, we will continue to prioritize adding people that will enrich company culture and create an environment where all employees know that they can count on the individual next to them in any situation, whether professional or personal. Within this community, we are one. We are one cognizant force, all committed to the mission. With that in mind, we are taking a close look at the resume of Mulan, our hero, was first introduced to us cleverly utilizing her puppy's rambunctious over-the-top energy to complete her daily chores, while her dog, motivated by a brilliant contraption that she devised, fed the chickens Mulan was able to make tea for her father and prepare for an upcoming test. Now admittedly, this is not a world-changing accomplishment. However, it does showcase that creative spark that is often the difference between a successful and unsuccessful network defense professional whose primary mission is to ensure that the network firewall is properly calibrated to ensure that no malicious domains nor nefarious IPs are establishing an outbound or inbound connection with the corporate ecosystem. The weight of Mulan's story lies in her decision to deceive the military and fulfill a higher purpose, saving her father. Her story is about choices and honor. Mulan chooses to ignore the convention of simply being an asset to her family. She instead chooses to protect her family and serve her country. She was prepared to fight side by side with the people that would not at all approve of her behavior. So how does she take on the task of defending her country while honoring her family and maintaining anonymity? Great question. Mulan, the film that inspired us, is about a young woman who became a soldier, a soldier who became a leader, and a leader who is destined to become a legend. To be termed as a legend, one has to go through a lot of hardships and achieve beyond any reasonable outcome. To say the very least, her story measures up. Hua Mulan's alter ego, Ping, struggled mightily to earn the respect of her soldiers that he served with. 
Everything changed when she became obsessed with the seemingly impossible task of retrieving the arrow that General Li Sheng placed at the top of the 20-foot pole. This challenge would be difficult enough without any other obstacles, but he added two weights that represented discipline and strength to ensure that only a warrior with superior strength and intelligence would be able to return the arrow to general. After failing several times, Mulan reevaluated the situation and turned the weights into an asset by using them to help her climb the pole and drop the arrow at General Li Sheng's feet. This was the beginning of her path to gaining the approval of her fellow soldiers. Her status as a skilled and fearless warrior was further cemented after saving her regiment from being firebombed by distracting the enemy and causing them to launch a fireball onto the mountain, which then triggered an avalanche. Talk about keenly astute. Now translate this sly strategical decision into cybersecurity, and this action is comparable to that of a savvy network defender, identifying a critical server that is being targeted by an APT, which then prompts a network defender to swap the business asset with the honeypot that can then be used as a guise to lure bad guys to disclosing their attack logic, so that in turn, this intel can be shared with the larger cybersecurity team to perform threat research on any potential vulnerabilities that the organization could be exposed to. Decisive action like this can be used to detect attacks or deflect them from a legitimate target. It can also be used to gain information about how the cyber criminals operate. The emperor that Mulan once served claimed, a single grain of rice can tip the scale. One man may be the difference between victory and defeat. We hear your wisdom, wise emperor, and we agree. After all, a woman like Mulan does not come around every dynasty. From defending the dynasty to building an impenetrable firewall, we welcome you to our family, Guamulan. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Pablo Torres. I, I just want to, I, I like it, and I think Mulan's, it's that, the example with the fireball is a great one, right, of, of, for the reasons you stated, but I'm glad that we're dealing with the cartoon version of Mulan and not the live action version of Mulan on Disney+. Plus. I've seen both, enjoyed both movies, but the cartoon is canon. So I think we have to evaluate it that way. That was what I think that that for certain. She can also disguise herself, right? I mean, she disguised herself as a, as a as a man to get into the military to serve in her father's place, which itself is it has many applications. You know, as we heard some of Shane's adventures, I think she could be useful for physical um, incursions as well as uh, as what she can do behind a keyboard. Yeah, I think you know. The story is is a great tale. Like you mentioned it, you know, creating that distraction to determine the uh, the enemy's intent. I mean, you setting up that honeypot and and then moving on. And then also the other part to add, you know, the grain of rice can tip the uh, can tip the scales. So what that tells me is every little bit counts, and everybody on the team can contribute that grain of rice. Before you know it, the scales are going to tip in favor. Um, absolutely, and uh, it, it's it's slick to say in, in the very least words that I can say. Um, I think what she adds to, to her team is, is, is a lot more than just a strategical advantage, which, which is her cunning way to outwit the enemy. But um, she, she provides a beacon, uh, a beacon of hope that, that demonstrates that, hey, given the obstacle, there's always going to be a solution. It's, it's just a matter of how hard we're willing to work for it. And uh, bringing it back to Shane, um, his, his creative approach to penetration testing um, tells me that when, when it comes to education, it, it's probably the most important resource that we could ever accumulate. Education is how to find what you need when you need it. 
So when Mulan needed it the most, she found a way to go ahead and overcome the adversity. And like Shane, when he needed it the most, he found those shirts at the bottom of the basement. And next thing you know, he fell into a loot of treasure. <laughs> that is exactly true. And that brings us to the end of our program. So thank you again for joining us. First and foremost, I have to thank my co-hosts, Jack Clavy and Pablo Torres. And also thank you to our guest, Shane Young, a man who knows that, you know, acoustic guitars are a lot better when you sit around the campfire and that creativity and knowledge are way more valuable than superior equipment. So thank you very much. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe to No Password Required Podcast. And send your questions and comments to info at nopasswordpodcast.com. I'm Ernie Farresso, and thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to the No Password Required Podcast. The show is produced by Cyber Florida. A special thanks goes out to our friends at Carlton Fields and Cognizant. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website, cyberflorida.org slash pod. <laughs>